confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Uh, There's a headline in the New York Times that says that the Netherlands and Japan are going to join the U.S. in uh, curbing chip technology that is being sent to China. Now, you you may know that uh, chip technology has kind of become the uh, the battleground, the central battleground for um, uh, some of the discussion between China and the U.S., uh, particularly as it relates to um, issues there in Asia, particularly with Hong Kong and uh, Taiwan. And they're, you know, the the idea that they, you know, that we can impact that scenario in a certain way uh, is very strategic. Uh, here to discuss is Peter Rao. He's senior fellow and director of the Center on Europe and Eurasia at the Hudson Institute, and he wrote about this uh, as well. Peter, thank you for being with us. Um, how significant is it that countries all over the place are working together in China to curb this uh, chip technology? I mean, the the Biden administration made a pretty big announcement that we're going to ramp up production of uh, chips, and we're also going to do what we can to support, um, you know, the, the Taiwan in this effort as well. So what's the what's what's the significance of more countries saying uh, we're, we're in the same game? Well, this really is the cutting edge battleground in the 21st century. Semiconductors are the fourth most traded product worldwide. Uh, I think the industry hit around 400 billion U.S. dollars in total volumes in 2020. But wow. even that undervalues its importance because there are no substitute goods. I mean, absent semiconductors, uh, modern electronics really collapse, and that applies to everything from washing machines to smartphones. And I think here's the rub also to military applications like guiding hypersonic missiles. And for that reason, uh, the administration uh, really in a one-two punch in October issued a, a rule uh, under this regulation called the Foreign Direct Product Rule that barred companies using American technology software inputs from selling a certain advanced semiconductors to China. And now this most recent announcement um, uh, is uh, dealing with the machinery used to make uh, those semiconductors. And the reason why Japan and the Netherlands, uh, along with the United States, agreed to this um, is because there really are only a few companies in the world, like ASML, the Dutch company, or say Tokyo Electron in Japan, or Applied Materials in California, that can produce this very sophisticated, complex, high-end semiconductor uh, uh, chips. And so uh, for that reason, agreement amongst them is really what's most crucial. So you'll see the U.S., I think, going forward, really trying to identify key allies and partners and and, and that way restricting certain advanced technologies going to the Chinese who can't make this themselves. And absent, you know, Western producers, I think it's going to be more difficult for them. That, that's that's really bizarre. I mean, I get a lot of uh, defense officials that tell me how unimaginative the Chinese are. And you, you almost kind of because I heard that like they're going to graduate. It's some ungodly number of thousands of students in STEM programs this year. And you would think that they're they would just be more on top of this. But they really have trouble uh, originating technology. They don't have much trouble copying it, but they have a lot of trouble originating it, which is really uh very weird. Hey, let me shift gears a little bit and switch over to uh, Ukraine. USA and Germany are working together to send tanks there now. What's the what's the takeaway on that? Well, there are really two battles going on simultaneously in the broader war. One is a localized battle around this uh, city of Bakhmut, almost a village uh, or mid-sized uh, town in uh, in the Donbass region. This is eastern Ukraine, and there's been a lot of focus on this in the press. It's really harrowing what's happening there, World War I-style artillery duels, um, huge casualty numbers on both sides. But the broader context, and this is the second battle, is that uh, everyone anticipates the Russians or the Ukrainians 
launching a major offensive or counteroffensive uh, in the coming months. And so uh, the Russians have mobilized uh, huge numbers, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of men to try to overcome their manpower deficiencies. And the Ukrainians have uh, sought desperately to get mechanized uh, systems from the West, being battle tanks, along with other uh, weapon systems like long-range strikes that would allow them to uh, launch their own offensive. And so right. uh, this decision really, I think, is an acknowledgement by the U.S. and Germany that absent tanks, uh, absent mechanized units, they're not going to be able to launch an offensive. And quite frankly, I don't even think that uh, is necessarily enough. The Ukrainians also want long-range fires to hit Russian supplies. And the administration has been hesitant to supply that to them. I'm all in favor of keeping Putin in check. I've heard the number is somewhere around 350,000 troops that he's mobilizing. Does that sound right to you? That might be a bit on the high end, but it's an ongoing process, and it is in the hundreds of thousands. If you think about our defense budget, which came out this year to between 800 and 900 billion U.S. dollars, you know, that's really basically to deter against two major allies, Russia and China. And here, for I think the expenditure level now is around 25 billion um, on military systems. The Ukrainians has basically taken out a huge percentage of one of those strategic adversaries. Right, so in that right. sense, I think it's been a pretty good deal. I'd also just add, you know, a lot of these monies don't really end up going to Ukraine. They really go to U.S. weapons um, manufacturers. Um, manufacturers, yeah, right. who are building this stuff and then sending helping, it over. Helping our economy while helping uh, defeat Putin and helping Ukraine keep its right. freedom. It's kind of a three-way win. Hey, I appreciate uh, the insight, Peter. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. He's at uh, Hudson.org, the Hudson Institute Senior Fellow Director of Center on Europe and Eurasia. Peter Rao joining us today. Kevin McCullough, we still got a big show straight ahead. It's Wednesday. We'll take a look at some health coming up next.